Hello everyone, and welcome to Can't Afford to Record, the YouTube channel where we figure out the art of audio production together. I'm Robbie Miller, and this is of course the podcast edition of Can't Afford to Record, where I take the opportunity to speak with folks in the industry, pick their brains, and learn as much as I can. Today, we are catching up with Faz from Damage Audio. I've known Faz for quite some time now, as we're both from the same town in England, which is Bedford. Faz is one of those people you can't help but envy, not only because he's an uber-talented musician, but he runs an amazing recording studio. After many years of wearing all the hats, whether that's touring and playing bass, being a front of house engineer, studio engineer, mixer, producer, his experience with all the above and his drive to just create awesome music is what makes him such a sought after person to work with. A big thank you to Faz for taking the time to come onto the Can't Afford to Record podcast and don't forget to go and check out his podcast that he runs with his friend Danny called The Muso Coffee Cast. As always, I hope you enjoy this episode. Be sure to visit the video version of this conversation on the Can't Afford to Record YouTube channel for more details about Faz and Can't Afford to Record. We are here with Faz at Damage Audio Studios. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. We've known each other for a while, obviously. Um, I'm a Bedford boy. You're a Bedford boy. Um, yeah, we've, we've actually done a couple of sessions together, which perhaps we'll get into. Um, but we are going to jump straight into it, Faz. And we're going to go through a little bit of your, well, a lot of your career. And we're going to talk about the things you've learned and whatnot and wh- what you're up to now. And, um, you know, maybe different experiences and stories you can tell us about your mixing recording processes. Uh, but before we get into any of that, the first question I ask everyone is, do you remember a time when you couldn't afford to record? <laughs> no, I'm loaded. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, man, that's a funny one. Um, to be honest, like as a musician, I didn't have that many studio experiences. Like not as an engineer. Like maybe a couple of times when I was younger, but I, I've always done it in some capacity. You know, I I, I think I fit into the millennial bracket just about. Right. So uh, we do right. I think we're the same age. I think we. I think yeah. we fit into that bracket. Uh, oh, how old are you again? Uh, old enough. Okay. All right. You don't want to put a date on this. I get <laughs> no. it. All right. Well, I, I'm 31. Okay, I'm older, but okay. you know that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> only, only a bit, yeah. But um, but yeah. I mean, so I've always had access to record some way. I was always into computers when I was younger. I've so I've kind of always been there in some capacity. Not like I am today, of course, but I've always been able to record guitars and stuff like that. So uh, technically, not really. Okay, well that's interesting because a lot of people that I've spoken to, um, they start off on cassette recorders. You know, they start off on the four-track Tascams <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something yeah, yeah. like that. Did you ever go through that process or were you just like straight to Pro Tools? Here I go. Yeah, I'm not that old. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, Q- Cubase was my first thing. I Cubase? Think. Cubase, okay. PC. Um, I, I think my, my equivalent of the cassette recorder would have been um, when I was a kid. I used to mess around. I had PCs from quite a young age. Uh, my dad was into building them. So I used to get into, there was like a really basic wave file recorder. It could only record one thing, but you could reverse it and pitch it a little bit. Okay. So I used to get into trying to make sounds like that to no end, just messing around. 
Right. Um, so that that was probably my uh, my four track was changing the the sounds and the the alert tones on the computer and just trying to work out how to record things into that. So I came in from a geeky angle. <laughs> what got you into recording in the first place? So why Cubase? What you know? What was the interest to even start messing around with music and recording it onto a computer? I think it's just a natural progression. I, I don't, I, I couldn't tell you why exactly. I mean, um, it, it would have been a songwriting thing. It would have been just, uh, it just seemed like a natural progression to do as a musician. Um, I was in a band, the the guitarist was recording us. Like only like demos or programmed drums, he was doing it. And then I, I guess that inspired me to do it. I, I couldn't really say, to be honest. It just kind of, from that point, just happened. I was just, I was around it. Okay. It kind of seemed natural. Cubase is a very um, UK school type uh, application oh, yeah. <laughs> software. I've, I used Cubase when I was at school as well. I think everyone in the world, well, no, I just said the UK, but ever, I feel like everyone in the UK that ever did GCSE music has had a, had a bit of a, um, you know, messed around with Cubase a little bit. How long did working with Cubase last for until you maybe went to Logic or maybe you went to straight to Pro Tools? It, it didn't last long. Right, right. <laughs> maybe a year. I think it would have, the reason I would have ended up using it would have been um, I was using it at college or friends used it. Yeah. Um, and then I got into Logic a couple of years ago. So I was using Logic on PCs because right. it, it was a long time ago. Right. <laughs> you can't get it on PC anymore. Uh, so yeah, I moved over to that. And then uh, in terms of that kind of stuff, like, in the last 10 years, I moved to Pro Tools. I'm mostly in Pro Tools these days. Okay. Now, you know, are you in Pro Tools because it's industry standard? You can jump into any studio. You can jump into any session. You can accept session files a lot more conveniently. Or is it genuinely the door, the DAW that you enjoy using? Like, what? why was Pro Tools such a, a choice? It's kind of a, a lot of all those things, really. The, the okay. big one for me was um, I, I made the switch whilst I, this was my line of work. This is my career. And right. at that point, I was having so many issues with Logic. Logic used to be really unstable at one point. Um, right. I don't know if it was just that version or maybe something I was doing. I don't know. Was that like was... Logic 8 or something like that? Yes, was it, it earlier? was. It was Logic Eight. Yeah, yeah, that that's when I switched. I was having a lot of problems with it, so um, I wouldn't have minded if I was just writing at home or if it was just me working alone. But I'd I'd have clients in in sessions, and it would crash like three times in an hour, and I'm you know billing on that time. You can't you can't do that. <laughs> so uh, I, I you know I, I bit the bullet and uh, I jumped into Pro Tools and just forced myself to learn it, and um, I learned it by doing a entire record in it and came out the other side and it just seemed natural by that point mm -hmm. yeah i love it um i want to talk a little bit how you got started running um a professional recording studio and what were some of the hurdles that you came across when when sort of setting it up um can you sort of think of any experiences that helped you you know get get your direction rolling yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was, um, I had kind of like two parallel career paths and it was live and studio. Yes. So for years I was touring as a front of house engineer and as a musician and all manner of other things. Yeah. At the same time I was working in studios. So um, I would either hire studios when I needed to record a band and I'd mix at home um, 
or uh, there was one studio I, I kind of lived at for quite a while. Uh, not like full time living, but I, you know, I'd, I'd arrive on a Thursday and I'd eventually leave by Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that eventually shut down and uh, I needed a space to work out of. So um, I moved into to where I am now. Okay. Um, and yeah, I mean, like hurdles, loads and every day, like they don't, they don't really stop. Um, they, they lessen, <laughs> you, yeah. you hit less things that you can't do eventually, but it's, um, for, for the setup I've got, it, it caters for a lot of things and that is the most expensive thing you can, you can try and do. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, if you, if you try and specialize as a studio, like I record vocals, I program this or I mix or I master they're all financially relatively feasible, but trying to do everything, it's it's an expensive game. So the biggest hurdle is the finances. It's right. It was a long time before I could do a job and not spend money on the job, if that makes sense. Like for a long time, I'd have to invest every session to make sure I could do the session. And that went on for years. Okay. <laughs> years and years. Okay. And uh, that, yeah, so that, that eventually leveled off. I feel like recording studios are a little bit like big houses. Like there is always something to maintain. There's always a roof tile to put back. Always a patch cable to maybe resolder or maybe the interface has got like, you know, a temperamental glitch on it or something like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. Like the, it's it's yeah, that's really well put. It's it's like the never-ending house build. It, right. There isn't an end. <laughs> mm-hmm. You have to learn to settle eventually because it's you know you can't keep throwing money at these things but um but yeah there's always something there's always something to repair i tr- i don't want to think about my repair list at the moment it is kind of huge wow <laughs> but you make do and you know you re- you just you remember that that thing doesn't like to be on that setting so don't don't put it on that setting you use the ones around it <laughs> turn it up too much or turn it down a little bit <laughs> yes yeah and that is analog equipment really in a yeah. nutshell isn't it you know there's there there'll be studios out there with you know the SSL desk that we all want, but whatever you do, don't go into channel 14 because yeah. <laughs> because you just don't. <laughs> that one sucks. Don't use that one. <laughs> just just move around it. I, I've been in like, um, I, I do I do still hire other studios and there's a lovely studio near me that's got amazing old gear in it, but everything is wrong with it. And it, it's, it's fun and it's nice to use all this nice old gear, but it's... You, it's like just stepping on eggshells. Everything you do, like faders have to park in a certain place. Some EQs you don't turn on or you've got to flick a switch enough times just to hope that it settles down. It's right. It's chaos. It's fun. But it's, you know, sometimes you just want to plug a mic in and just let it work. You kind of, I, some, sometimes I'd rather things worked than sounding nice. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There will be a beauty for that somewhere, though. There w- you will find a band and you'll be like, oh, my God. This vocalist needs channel fourteen. Oh, of course! I found it. (laughs) We need to go into that really dirty (laughs) input. I promise. (laughs) Okay, so can you take us back to, um, you know, tell us about your first maybe recording session? What's the first project? You don't have to reveal the band name, but maybe what is the first one when you're like, I'm paying money? Oh, sorry, they're paying money, and I got to get this done. That's quite a question, man. It's going back a long time. Okay. Um, well, in that case, can you sort of maybe tell us about an experience or a story or like even maybe just what a feeling it was like to get your first EP recorded when a band came to you and they said, we want to make an EP or we want to do a single. And you're like, I kind of know what I'm doing, but I kind of don't. And you got the job done. Can you think about what that was like? 
yeah i can i don't think that's, that's something a feeling that ever goes though it, not right to, to answer that in the broadest way possible it's, it's going to be hard for me to find a very particular thing but what you just said there of i mean i need to get this done and i'm not sure if i really know what's going on we all feel like that all the time i don't think anyone ever gets over that it's 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 not a black and white line of work there's no it's it's, it's music so there's there's yeah. never a this is how you do this and this is how you do that there's things that work in some situations and things that don't you know there's there's no there's no definitive answers so it it does feel like a career a career of winging it every day <laughs> that is so interesting because i guess i you know obviously i've never yeah i'm a rookie in all of this mix and recording world but i've done a lot of gigging and um in fact i, I was thinking about this earlier me and you have done one gig together yes do you we remember have that? yeah yeah, the I one do. And only. yeah. All, all the years i've known you've done one gig and it was uh, strange but we definitely did it but maybe that's a good example that you know, yes, you get confident gigging, but you don't know how many people are going to be in the audience. You don't know if a fight's going to break out. You don't know if you're going to get paid at the end. You don't know if you're going to have a valve in your amp go midway through. So I guess there is that sort of still thing of unknown of like, I hope I get through this. But um, yeah, you're, you're not even... going to. So you're not going to play the perfect gig either. That's not that's not what music is. Music isn't a perfect anything. Again, it's not black or white. You will play and. There is a spectrum of good to bad that you will play, but you're not you're not mechanical. You're not a robot. You're a human being. There will be inflections and imperfections, and and it's the same with all of it. Like it's all you know, educated guesses all the way through. Yes. <laughs> did you go to school for recording fairs, or did someone teach you, or did you teach yourself? Um, a bit a bit of all of the above. So um, right. I did go to college. Okay. Um, I did college for a couple of years. It wasn't great. Um. It's not. It's not the college's fault. Um, it's just the. I hope it's improved now. But at the time, the the syllabus for music production and recording it was just bad. It was all out of date, and it just it wasn't relevant. Um, and it, it, to, to be honest, it is. It's a hard thing to teach. So I don't really blame any school for not doing it because it, it's uh, not doing it well. Sorry because uh, it's you've just got to do it you've, you've got to jump in and and just really see what happens it's 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 a it's an odd line of work yeah yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. but i didn't really have uh mentors or anything like that um not not directly in this um i, I did have um for songwriting um and and playing um and much later on in my career, I had a mentor for live sound after I'd already been doing it for 10 years. Right. Never in this line of work. This has always been what I've learned along the way. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that's, well, that's really, really interesting. And I'm thinking, you know, because um, you're so old, as we talked about, <laughs> um, there's no YouTube. You haven't got any, uh, you haven't got any, uh, people on youtube saying well this is how you get the uh the vocals to sound like this so, so so what did you do how did you i mean i guess was it just trial and error until you just found the right sound and 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 how i guess from you sort of figuring that out do you think you could put a time frame on it when you were like ah i got it now or i've got i feel like i've made a little jump over the hurdle here um 
it, it's trial and error. It really is. It's just doing it every day. It's like like learning an instrument. Like yeah, you can be taught an amount, but it's repetition and right. just just doing it all the time. So again, I was I was touring at the same time, so that really helped because that meant I was in a different capacity. I was you know every day I was I was mixing bands on a console and using the gear every day. I messed up a lot of live shows before I stopped messing those up, and that really. Oh yeah, any anyone who goes into live sound definitely does. I think you know it's the same with any any line of work. Yeah. But yeah, I I definitely did because it's it's an it's an intense atmosphere. But I think that's that's a good thing. It makes you work quickly. Yes. So it does. you only yeah. make the mistake a few times at a gig before you know people start shouting at you. You will correct it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. there was there was a lot of that, and it it's it's just doing it. Like I'm I'm doing this. Um, Every, every day like 12 hours a day even on my days off i'm still researching and learning and trying to find new ways of doing things whether it's songwriting or production or mixing or it's it's you know it's like it's it's a full-time occupa- occupa- uh, occupation you don't get a choice with this stuff you, it's just what you think about it really really <laughs> is i always te- i always give the analogy when i teach guitar um and that is you know I give the analogy, it's a little bit like when you go for driving lessons. When you learn to drive, you go with an instructor and they tell you how to parallel park and they tell you how to reverse around a corner and they tell which you never do, but they tell you all <laughs> these different things, how to pass the exam, mm. right? But you don't really know how to drive until you're on the motorway going somewhere ridiculous for a three hour driving, you know, the, the, the driver's three hours and you're trying to figure out how do I change lanes and how, you know, you're on your own for the first time and you've got, you've got to drive on a motorway. You've got to do some, some, you know, bigger, bigger type stuff. That's when you learn how to drive, you know, and it's the same with guitar. I always tell people when they have, when they come to me for guitar lessons, I can teach you an A chord. I can teach you a a power chord. I can teach you a pentatonic scale. I can teach you all of that. I can get you further than that, obviously as well. But you will really start playing when you go and join a band or when you go and teach yourself a song using the stuff I've, I've taught you, that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think put in what you're learning into practice, right? That's how you get better. Th- that's a great analogy. And I, th- I think um, something to take away from it would be, as you said, like you can learn all the quote-unquote right things to do as a guitarist. So you can learn every scale and every chord, but you you have to find your own application of it it's your taste that will that that's right. i think that's the part w- with all of this that you, that's the thing that you can't teach when it comes to the actual creative part of all this you can't teach taste so you can right. have all the tools in the world but that that's the thing that you have to develop on your own and that that will only take time yeah yeah no for sure yes okay well let's um Let's talk a little bit about your uh, your your mixing board, your console that you got in front of you there, if that's okay. That's fine, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I remember seeing that actually um, when I did some recording with you, and if I remember rightly, it's a Yamaha, isn't it? Is that a yeah, Yamaha board? It's not a particularly sexy console. It's a very functional console. Uh, so it's tell us a little um, bit about it and and why you chose that. Um, it it was recommended when I was looking at different options. It was recommended to me. It's it's not a new console. These are not very popular. They they were only really popular in um, like TV studios, broadcast studios. Oh right, okay. Yeah, that that's for some way of reason they took off there. But they were a multifunction board, so it's a it's a digital console, and it was uh, for studio use and 
primarily aimed at TV studio use and for touring use. It's, it can work as a live console as well, which actually kind of makes it the perfect music production board because I can, using this, I can you know run a whole recording studio and have a PA set up in the other room, have that EQ'd for singers to have speakers as monitoring and like do full live sessions and all mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's just a really flexible board. But yeah, it's um, it's a digital digital console. It's 96 channels. Uh, it works as a control surface. So it syncs with Pro Tools and you know you can move faders and Pro Tools reflects that. Um, as a transport section, monitor section. It, it's, it's a lot of things built into one box and it's quite, for what it does, it's quite small. <laughs> like, yeah. It's, it's not even an arm's width wide for what it does, which is really cool. And it, it's, it's just a very functional board. It, it's, you know, if, it'd be impossible for me to list off everything it does and every reason that I have it, but it just kind of works. It's, um, it's very, again, it's very functional. It's got multiple switchable inputs. So, um, you know, even though I have 32 inputs hardwired, I can switch in an extra 24 and it's, there's wow. no cabling to worry about. It's just very practical. And because it's digital, it doesn't really have a sound, which allows me to put other units in front of it. And that's kind of creating the console, if you will. Yeah. So it's like the control yeah. aspect is perfect, but then I can give it an, Im an imperfect front end and use our old style equipment with it. That's, that's an interesting an approach but also a uh, yeah a really clever approach rather than like committing to something like oh, i've got to have a neve console for for, for it, but or i've got to have an ssl <laughs> or, or something like that you got the money for this right you can <laughs> yeah you, sure <laughs> <laughs> if you planet? could if you could have one of those consoles i mean do you lust for anything like that or no i'm jaded by this point i look at that and i look at, and i see repair bill <laughs> that's all i see I, I'd, right. I'd like to have certain things basically okay. um I, I just just from a practical point of view there's there's no benefit to me having 96 channels of neve console or whatever it is right it's it's big it's bulky it gets hot it uses a lot of electricity uh there's there's so many reasons i wouldn't use that to be honest right i do like the gear i have neve preamps and modules and i you know i've got old style front end but i don't need 32 channels of it there's it's unnecessary for me even with with what i'm doing but maybe like um you know 10 or 12 channels they do a little mixes that would yep. be nice you know just doing drums and stuff like that but it's it's not a need it would it would be a want you know it's right i don't need yeah. that to work it it would be nice we'd put that in <laughs> studio b Right. We'll, yeah, we'll, that's it. Yeah, we'll yeah. Put, oh, you want the Neve console? <laughs> I don't really go into Studio B that often. We could, we can go in there if you want. You know, I think if you asked me a few years ago, the answer would have been different. Oh, um, interesting. At, at this point, I need things that sound great, but mm -hmm. reliable, recallable, um, and something that's not a distraction. I, I find nice gear is good to have, but a lot of nice gear is distracting. Uh, mm -hmm. for what I do anyway, if if what I was doing was I saw a new band every day and we were just recording and recording and spitting tracks out, that would be different. Right. A lot of what I do is producing and arranging and all that kind of stuff. And I don't want to have to recall a mixing console when I flip between songs. I could be working on five to ten songs in a day. It's not from a mixing point of view. It's not practical. And again, recording point of view for me, unnecessary. But it would, if anything, it would be a need. <laughs> <laughs> okay, interesting. I do, I do All right, I'm with stuff. you. Okay, just for the record, we do want an mm. Eve. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> when you hear mixes, uh, when you hear, uh, you know, I, I'm going to use the word amateur mixes. Um, what do you feel is lacking when you when you hear people that are starting to record, you know, themselves, 
mix themselves what do you think is a lacking element where you're like okay yeah but this is kind of still what's keeping you from getting to the next level yeah okay i see that would normally um i I don't hear a a lot of amateur mixes but i do get rough mixes from clients when i'm going to do a mix so that would kind of be my benchmark sure and there are common traits okay it's kind of uncanny really it tends to be the same things for the most part uh and generally um the the the, the base end is it's too much or positioned badly mm. um and what i mean by position badly is you know kick drums and basses are they're they're too low down or they're too high up like um in the frequency range right not like maybe volume but normally it's where how the speakers project it's too subsonic or too high up okay um the other one tends to be um it's funny because i always find that the general consensus of an amateur mix is it's really bright and brash i always find it's the opposite it's there's Mm. hardly ever any top end in there Mm. um i think people are very conservative about it um and i think it's I, i see it in musicians as well not just people mixing but um uh, as a bass player, I, I'm going to be sensitive to this, I find a lot of bass players who instinctively roll their tone down. Mm. And whilst they think they're looking for a warmer sound, I think you'll relate with this, they're hiding their mistakes by making it dark. Right. And I think it's the same thing with amateur mixes. I think they 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 don't know how to deal with the top end, so it's easier just to make it dark rather than actually allow it to breathe and be as bright as it needs to be. Yeah. So uh, that that tends to be one. And then um, generally too dynamic. Certain things are too dynamic. Um, Vocals typically are are too dynamic. So what what people tend to do is um, because they don't know how to control the dynamics of a vocal properly, they tend to under mix it. They put it too far back in the mix and you just get the occasional word that's kind of popping out. Right. Um, I'd say they're, they're the most common things, but there's there's so many things. Of course. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm yeah, not saying, yeah. you know, but and I don't want it to sound like I'm going, oh, there's so many bad mixes. There's not. There's so many great mixes coming mm. up home studios. It's kind of amazing. But when something sounds off, it's normally one of those things. Um, and then it comes down to taste past there. And that's, you know, you can't say whether someone's got good or bad taste because that's, that's... It's subjective, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But... Um, that tends to be the thing. It's out of my taste, basically. Right, right, right. Um, when you're mixing something now, do you, <clears throat> I guess, do you have, I mean, I, I feel like I probably know the answer, but I'm, I'm interested. Do you have go-to things that you do? So do you probably, even if you got a punk rock band here that came and recorded, and then you got a punk rock band here that are coming in in three weeks' time, you know, they're kind of the same genre. Do you already know what you're going to do to the bass? Like, do you sort of have these go-to things or do you try and start from scratch every single time? Um, I guess I'm asking, like, do you have presets? Do you have, like, a go-to template that you kind of know, yeah, this is going to, you know, this is this is going to fit the bill? Yeah, I, I know you're going with that. Um, half and half. I, I don't okay. like. I don't record a band and then turn on my settings and there's a mix. That's that's okay. certainly not a thing. Um, I do. Um, I do have a template. Mm-hmm. It's mostly for routing because I. Um, for me, it's not just I do a mix. The mix is done. Goodbye. Thank you very much. I I have to do like alternative versions. So there'll be like a main mix, mastered mix, stems, 
TV mm-hmm. mix, instrumentals. So I have I have a template that allows me to do that really quickly because that can be super time consuming. Yes. Um, which is obviously the, the the boring end of the scale. <laughs> on the on the slightly more exciting end of the scale, not that exciting. Uh, but I have things ready in case I need them. So I generally start with the same set of vocal effects. Um, I know what they sound like and I will bend them to what I need them to you do. You tweak them. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like a starting point that is that works for me. And it's not to say I'm going to use them all. I'll have loads. There'll be at least like 10 vocal effects returns. Um, right. I may only use one uh, or maybe I need all 10 because it's like a big ambient record, but they're there um, if I need them so I can work quickly because the, uh, no one's paying me to think and you know, try and set things up in the middle of a session or whatever that's 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 not cool it's you know I'm, I'm here to create results um so things like that um i'll have things ready that's probably the best way i can put it and things in a certain place that's that's really important for me just to know that there are going to be drums here there's going to be vocals there I, I can't be looking for it i just need to act on instinct um which i think is for anyone mixing that's really important to know where everything is because the, the more time you spend looking the less time you're creating right so, exactly um, so, so you'll probably yeah. have your, your parallel buses and all that kind of stuff sort of ready to go and you know to get start getting that sound i think that's always the fun bit of you know being in your studio i know i did this when um i came and recorded with you and i would sort of be like hey can we can we try and add this on and and it was almost instantly yeah there you go um and that inspires the next decision doesn't it when you can hear something straight away you, that's ex- yeah. No, you you know it right in the head. Is keeping is keeping momentum and is keeping it inspirational. So yeah. yeah, I'll I'll have varying templates for different things. So I have writing session templates mm. for that exact reason. I want to try this guitar sound. Great, click, <laughs> try that one. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, that, it's important. Or I'll have like templates with um, transitional effects. So I'll have like a sample pad, uh, which is hiding <laughs> in this drawer Perfect. down here yes yes uh, and i have like reverse symbols and booms and things like that just in case someone goes oh can we do this kind of sound what you mean this <laughs> yeah i need a <laughs> easy i've got 17 of them ready to go let's go <laughs> why yeah, didn't man. you say i'll pull up the template especially for that <laughs> That's about the only one I haven't got on. on <laughs> <laughs> Until but now, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've got, i got some pan pipes. That, that'll probably have to do. The that, that'll do for now. Yeah, yeah. that's the more it's analog version. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a warmer sound, anyways. Pan pipes. <laughs> okay, well, all right. That's very interesting. Okay, this leads me on to another question. Then, is there a point? And I, again, I'm asking all these questions, kind of feeling like I know the answers. But is there a point where a mix is finished? <laughs> no <laughs> it's okay. it's abandoned yeah yes <laughs> yeah it's it's yeah again as we said before um you know there, there's there's no right or wrong there's no definitive thing with anything mm-hmm. to, with any form of art um you know not not to uh, mixing's you know music is art mixing is a service but yeah it, it's there is no definitive thing um i mean for me it's when I can't listen to the song anymore <laughs> um, and that's that's simply because I'm making small moves that that's mm-hmm. for me that's when a mix is done because I'm mm-hmm. I'm doing small things that are so small I'm only ever going to notice and I'm either not making improvements or I'm starting to you know create detrimental effects so right um, at that point it's done but it's it really is abandoned it's just you walk away and go that's as good as this is going to be in this moment right now and do you, 
do you when you're in that case when you feel like you're you're there um what's your ultimate mix test i uh, do you know your monitors so well now that you probably don't need to try it on other stuff or are you doing the car test are you doing an iphone test are you doing a bluetooth speaker test um i do check on other things but not um not really before i send it off <laughs> right so that um, but that's good because you feel like you i i know this is at the level that the last one was at and this is you know you can tell it's in the right place yeah i mean at this point my my monitoring system is really good it is really good uh and i'm always improving i just i just retuned it a couple of weeks ago and it's it was another improvement so great um i i have at the moment i've got two sets of monitors my uh, i have a third set over there which i've not plugged in because i can't fit them in at the moment but i do love them what, what monitors are you running at the moment so my my mains are PMCs, okay. Uh, which are they're actually near Bedford. They're just up the road from from where you are from and where I am. There you go. O- over yep. in sunny Luton. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, they're they're my mains. They're um they're I would say they're a mastering grade speaker. Um, n- you know, not like forty grand's worth of mastering grade speaker, but they are up there. I I would say they suit that purpose. Um, I use those with a subwoofer. Okay. And uh above them at the moment uh, it's a pair of uh, Oratones. Yep. Um which they they're basically like the car speaker test. They're a, they're a single speaker in a small enclosure. Um no ports or anything like that, so they're just all mid-range yes. horrible vile sounding thing, but great just to check certain elements. But I don't yep. listen to it for very long. I'll just I'll flick over if I'm worried about a snare drum or a vocal. I'll just flick for like not even five seconds and then flick back to my mains. Okay. Um, but like in terms of like checking other things, this is gonna sound terrible, but I listen to more music on my Apple headphones than anything else. So and so I'll... does the whole world. Yeah, man. Right. Everyone I mean, does. <laughs> yeah. It really, really does happen. It's so funny because I um I don't know if this was just the story I told myself, I think I've mentioned this in another interview as well, but when I, when we were doing, you know, this EP that I released a couple of months ago, you know, it was great getting the, the really high quality masters back and, oh, this sounds so good. And, you know, hearing that level of, you know, um, detail and I was really, really happy with it. Still really, really happy with it. Um, but weirdly enough, and again, maybe I tricked myself, I don't think I really like it was when I heard the when I heard it coming out on Spotify to my headphones where I was like that sounds like everything else I listen to. Huh. Interesting. It was like it was like a weird thing and maybe Spotify maybe it doesn't, you know, do its magic on on a track and 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 sort of spits it out in, you know, consumerism uh style quality, but it was that moment it was like Okay, this sounds like mu- this sounds like the music I know. It was it was really really interesting. interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I I used to get something uh, similar with CDs. Mm. When once if it was playing off my speakers in the studio, I'd hate it. I'd play it off a CD. And I'd be like, yeah, cool. I I I guess it's like a um, a detachment thing. You can't poke at it. It's gone forever. Like you can't touch it. I think. Yeah. I think that that accounts for a lot. If that definitely makes any does. sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. definitely does. Yeah. When you're sitting there and you've got faders or a mouse or whatever you use to mix, you can always change something. It's always going to bug you that that tiniest thing is off. But once it's just playing <laughs> and mm-hmm. you have no choice in the matter, you tend to be more accepting of it. 
Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We, you we, sort of let go and you've committed to it, and it, it is what it is. Hundred percent, man. And that's why, like, even though I, I do master, I, I will hire mastering engineers because it gets it out of my hands. Yeah, and it's that same thing. They've done something. I don't know what they've done, but all I know is it's done. Yeah, and I can't touch it, and I can't mess with it. And you just you accept it. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good point. Um, so for anyone that's mixing at home, recording at home, but wants to get into this, this, uh, this world, I really feel like you're. I mean, I feel like everyone I speak to is a success story. But you know, seeing where you are now, Faz, in your studio, and how many bands you've recorded over the years, and sort of how hard you've worked to get to this point and whatnot, what you know. Do you have any advice for um you know for up and coming recording studio guys um you know it's I I've tried I'm trying to have this approach of no gatekeeping let's let's share the share the experiences and the advice for everyone and you know um what would you tell someone Yeah I mean um I'd say be open to learning every day that's probably a cliche but I I can't overstate that enough like I I'm you know, I've been doing this a long time and I'm really making an effort to, to self-educate even more at the moment. Every day I'm setting time aside to learn. Like all, always be willing to see someone else's point of view. And even if you disagree with it, just try and understand what it is. You know, mm -hmm. you, if you're if you're working a project for a musician and they don't like what you did, find out why they don't like it. They're, they're, mm -hmm. they're probably they're probably not being a dick. There's probably a very good reason. So, like, you know, right. try and understand why, why they don't like it. Um, and the thing... Um, I mean, look, it's going to be a lot of work. If you're going to do this line of work, it, it's, it, you are going to give most of your life over to this. So you've got to be prepared to do that. And if, if you're not, it's not for you. But mm -hmm. that, that is a hard truth. I know it's a depressing truth, depending on who you are and how you see things. But mm -hmm. if, if you'd rather be out socializing most nights of the week, it's not, it's not for you. Because it's just, right. you're, you're, you're probably, in a nice way possible, not built to do this in the long haul, maybe part time. Right. Um, and I think uh, and out of everything else, just be the best human being you can be. Mm. That that always pays dividends. Like just put yeah. good good energy out into the world. Do your best work. Just just try. Just be a good human. <laughs> I know that just be a mad, nice person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've I've met so many grumpy engineers and you know mm. jaded musicians, and they just put bad energy out, and no one wants to be around them. Mm -hmm. And you know. And quite frankly, so much of this industry, as I'm sure you found out, it's not necessarily down to someone's skill set as much as it is who they are as a person. There's, the hang. Yeah, there, there's plenty of, you know, okay musicians that are in great bands because they're good to be around. And there's yes. plenty of amazing guitarists who haven't left their bedroom because they think they're the best and they think they're owed something. And mm -hmm. it's the same with, you know, any anything in life, but de definitely in music because you're you're spending a lot of time with people. Um, whether it's in the room or, you know, just remotely through these things and whatever it may yeah. be. So uh, you may have just answered this last question that I have for you then. But uh, why do you keep, you know, what keeps you being a recording engineer? What keeps you being a mixing engineer? And, um, you know, what's going to yeah keep you accepting work and taking on new projects? I love what I do, man. Like I, I, I wouldn't be doing anything else, well, at least, you know, outside of this industry anyway um it's just a, a you just do it <laughs> well let, let me let me ask you this then um because you've probably b worn a few hats in your studio uh time you know you i'm you've you, i'm sure you've been the producer i'm sure you've been just an engineer i'm sure you've been the mixing guy um but you've got to pick one 
and you've got to pick one of those roles to do, what would you choose? Uh, producing. Really? By a long shot, yeah. That's so interesting. And and even like hands-off producing, like we're going to make this album and I'm going to hire the mixing engineer. I'm going to hire this person. Would you, in the traditional sense, choose to be a producer? I've never done it. I've always done everything or right. or, or a singular role outside of production. That's, that's an interesting one. I, I think I think at this point I'd be comfortable doing that. It would right. certainly give me a break. I mean, at this point, I do. I have assistance uh, for various things, so yeah, I'm I'm getting used to delegating tasks. So right, I I think so. I I think that that tends to be my strongest suit. Although I my you know what I do day to day is everything. Uh, I'm, I'm a producer that engineers and mm-hmm. does everything in between. Uh, yeah, I'd say that is my strength. It's you know conducting bands, helping with arrangements, understanding how the gear works and how to get to a certain point but there's there's probably better engineers well there's definitely going to be better engineers than me out there so you know why if the opportunity was there to hire someone who can do something better yeah you do it mm, yeah <laughs> it sound like this no better than that thank you yeah. you know it sounds great <laughs> so so if people want to get in touch with you fads if um you know how do they do that? How do they, how do they get mix? Uh, how do they sorry? How do they get Faz to to mix one of their songs if you're taking in, you know taking on work at the moment? And sure, I mean, um, social media wise, I'm mostly on Instagram. I'm pretty bad at social media, but I'm trying. I'm really trying at the moment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> on uh, Instagram, you can find me as Faz Makes Music, and that's the same for Facebook. If anyone is still using Facebook, I'm sure people still use Facebook. Yeah, I think it's still um, a thing. It's about to yeah, join MySpace, <laughs> but I think it's still a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, otherwise, on a more professional level, uh, and I generally do prefer this, but it's old school, uh, email, um, yep. which is for the studio, um, info at damageaudio.co.uk, because I never bought a .com and I've regretted it my entire entire career. <laughs> <laughs> hey yeah just don't buy don't buy a canadian one don't buy a ca.ca we don't want .ca. <laughs> <laughs> i haven't bought a canadian one yet but it's uh, no. it's out there it's definitely out there honestly not having a .com is is only just causing me issues and really I, yeah and i'm not really i don't know the internet well enough that sounds really weird but i, I don't understand the internet well enough to change over to a .com and not have my life disappear because i've been I've I've had my email address for so long. I don't know how you do all of that. So uh, interesting. Here I am. Yeah, flying, yeah, yeah, flying yeah. The the British flag. <laughs> yeah, here is Faz, everyone. He uh, makes amazing sounding records and mixes. He can make it sound like anything. But if we need to change a domain name, <laughs> we're gonna hire a guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Faz, look, I, uh, it's been so awesome catching up with you, mainly because it's, you know, it's been such a long time since we've really caught up and, and whatnot. But I, I feel like we're still going to be on a session again together at some point. I'm, I think there's, uh, we've got to get back into the studio. It's been great to hear about your experiences, your stories, learn about some of your equipment that you've got going on there and try and inspire me and, and other people that are listening to this that, you know, just find such a thrill in audio production, audio mixing, recording instruments yeah it's just been such a great cut you know great time catching up with you so thank you so much for your time and um let's speak again really soon yeah man thanks thanks for having me it's been great it's been the it's been the best interview of my life (laughs) (laughs) today anyways today (laughs) i was not asked to say that (laughs) (laughs) thank you faz we'll speak again soon buddy